Hey listeners, Adam O'Donnell here. Today we have a special interview with the CEO of Pilot. They've raised over 160 million from funds like Sequoia, Index, CRV. My biggest learning is a pattern that I've seen throughout all these $100 million plus founder interviews. It's staying in the weeds, but knowing how to time box it and where to do it. For literally every new customer of our service, I send them an email and I say, hey, I'm Wasim, I'm Pilot CEO. You've got a great team at your service here. We haven't met. If you're interested in a short chat, here's a link to my Calendly. Feel free to book a time with me. About 20 to 30% of new customers take them up on this and schedule a call. So I wanted to know how deep are you going? What are you asking them on the call? How did you hear about Pilot? How was the experience? Is anything you think I should know? And then also like if there's stuff I can do to help pilot wise or otherwise, like please, please, please do not be shy about letting me know. And I think that's a that's a type of activity that I think the average person would say, well, that's crazy that you're still doing that. That's how could that be scalable? And it's not scalable. At some point it will be impossible to do. He says this is one of the highest ROI activities that he can be doing. I'm sure you've heard this in theory, but how do you actually time box it? So I have some specific time blocked out on my calendar for, okay, this is for new customer calls. This is for office hours. And so I've kind of time bounded it in that way. It's never more than an hour or two a day. So I'm probably spending sub five hours a week on this. He does this for go-to-market and customer support. That's your periscope into the world. You're not going to know what your customers are thinking or feeling or how they feel about your product unless you talk to them or unless you engage with them. And the touch points that they engage with you on generally are when they buy, when they renew, or when they write in with a support request. This is just one of the many tactics that he shares about being a CEO of a unicorn. Hey, welcome to Sit Down Startup Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Adam O'Donnell, former founder and VC. I now work at Zendesk for startups where we offer six months free use of Zendesk for qualified high growth companies. Well, see, welcome to Sit Down Startup. We're so excited to have you here. Uh, we'd love to just dive into your story with Pilot and first tell us when you founded the company and then we'll kind of go from there. Sure. Sounds great. So we started Pilot in early 2017. Awesome. And what was the product when you originally started? It was bookkeeping. So the, the way we kind of got here is this is actually the third venture for me and my co-founders, Jeff and Jessica. We actually all met together at MIT undergrad and happy to go into detail there. But one of the things we really struggled with in our previous companies was actually the back office stuff, the finance, accounting, tax prep, et cetera, et cetera. So the first product we started with here, as we said, we want to build the bookkeeping or accounting service that we wish we could have hired in our previous ventures. So simple. As a founder myself, I hated doing any of the back office stuff because it seemed totally. like all I care about is product market fit. Don't distract me with these other things, but those can shut down the business. Right. <laughs> you don't do it right. Right. So, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's important. It's critical that they be done right, but it's generally not the highest leverage thing for the founder to be working on. So it's a great candidate for, well, look, if I can work with a team of experts on this, why would you not? I love it. How big are you now? Uh, the company is about 400 people. We work with literally thousands of high growth startups from pre-seed all the way to the series D. So we're, we're definitely the largest accounting provider for startups in the space. Wow. And how much money have you raised? I think like 160 million plus. It's pretty cool. I was checking yeah. that out on Crunchbase. I always like to see how accurate it is. Uh, but that is incredible. What a cool story. I'm excited to just dive right in and understand right before one of your first hockey stick moments of growth. Yeah. I mean, I'm a very, very big believer in, there's a polygram essay called do things that don't scale. And just this idea that you, you really have to just like fight for every customer. And the kind of orientation I have on this is if you think about sort of why startup companies exist, like structurally, why are there startups? Well, there must be something that a startup can do better than the incumbents. 
if it weren't possible for a startup to be better at something than the incumbents, well, startups wouldn't exist. The incumbents would just always eat their lunch. And one of the things that I think startups have as a strategic advantage is the ability to be super white glove, to be super responsive, to really do things that don't scale. So I, we just went above and beyond. It was like super duper duper full service in the early days. And I mean, hopefully still is, but it's just like literally in the early days, I was doing your accounting in QuickBooks with my co-founder, Jeff, and Jessica was looking over our shoulder and like writing the first lines of code. And it was just like incredibly bespoke. And I think that was actually really, really key to making it work. Mm, was that the perspective that you had the whole time when you started or was there something that made you shift and say, hey, we got to go back to the drawing board. We just got to stay and just end it ourselves as the founders. Yeah, I think this was something that actually we, a lesson we had learned in our previous ventures. We had two startups before this, one called K-Splice that was acquired by Oracle and another that was called Zulip that was acquired by Dropbox. And I think one of the big lessons from the K-Splice experience in particular is, look, you, the founders have to stay super close to the delivery of your product or service. And sometimes that literally means doing it yourself. Sometimes it means just like keeping tabs on what's happening with your customer base. Because that's, that's how you learn whether it's working or not. You have to really kind of have your finger on the pulse of what your customers are up to. And if you lose that, you're really just kind of wandering aimlessly. It really doesn't work. Mm. Can, you, can you share a time when you were probably fed up with staying in these details? Because if you didn't like doing it as a founder, I'm, I'm sure you weren't like, oh, this is amazing. As a founder now doing it for other people, almost feeling maybe like a consultant almost with the, with the amount of the amazing approach that you're delivering. Just, could you tell me more on that? Maybe there's a specific story where you were kind of fed up for any of those founders who are just like, I can't keep doing this. We've been doing this unskillably for too long. Um, so this is a story not from this company, but from our first company, Case Blaze, which is we had some technology that could update software systems without rebooting. And, and basically we could allow you to update your systems while keeping them running. And it was a product that we sold to IT admins that had big server farms. It wasn't really for your desktop or laptop or whatever. And one of the things we offered was phone support. And this company, there were like 10 of us living in a house together in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And the phone support number just rang the phone that was, oh, we were living and working in this house. And so the phone support number rang the phone that was literally in my bedroom, in addition to a phone that was in the living room, aka the office. And I think uh, there was a time like it was like Saturday at 4 a.m., and one of our customers in Australia like called because they had a question and I like, it woke me up and I was like super groggy and I picked up the phone and like I helped them solve whatever the problem was. But after that, I was like, well, maybe this is, maybe we're going a little bit too far here. Like maybe I will not like answer the phone on Saturday at 4am. Maybe we will bound the scope of our phone support hours a little bit more reasonable. <laughs> I love that. You can get distracted by the specific challenge that you're solving for that customer and, and lose sight of like, okay, why am I actually doing this? It's not because we can't afford to pay someone to do it. It's because we want to learn how to make the product better. Right, um, exactly. Yeah. And what, what percentage of your time were you working in doing specific solutions for the customer like that versus actually working on the business? And maybe give us like a timeline of how old the company was when you kind of phased out of it. Yeah, it's a good question. So at Pilot, I think one of the areas I've always been very heavily involved in is the kind of go-to-market sales marketing piece of what it is we do. And so I, I'm still on sales calls now in year five and a half of the company. And we have a, you know, we have a CRO and we have a 
whole sales team. And like, I'm of course not on every sales call, but I'm, I'm in the weeds there more than you might expect. And another thing I do, and I actually, I really, really love doing this. And I think it is just very informative for me for literally every new customer of our service. I send them an email and I say, Hey, I'm with CM, I'm pilot CEO. You've got a great team at your service here. We haven't met, but if you're interested in a short chat, like here's a link to my Calendly, feel free to book a time with me. Or if there's stuff I can ever do to help out, you know, just drop me a note. And I find that probably like, you know, 20, 30% of folks that I email this way do in fact schedule time. And so I asked them, I was like, cool. How did you hear about pilot? Like, how was the experience? Is anything you think I should know? And then also like, if there's stuff I can do to help pilot wise or otherwise, like, please, please, please do not be shy about letting me know. And I think that's a, that's a type of activity that I think the average person would say, well, that's, that's crazy that you're still doing that. That's how could that be scalable? And it's not scalable at some point it will be impossible to do. But at the moment at our current kind of size and stage with thousands of customers, like the number of new customers in a given month, like it actually is workable. And that, and that won't be the case forever, but for the time being it is. And I think it's super high ROI. And I think most people would have said, you know, no, we need to build a process that, you know, will work for us when we have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of customers. My view is, look, we'll do that when we get there, but we're not there yet. So we should still be super in the weeds. This is so good for Anita. I, I think when I was a founder, I wanted to move out from that almost like I was like, oh, I'm, I'm above this now. I've made it to this point and that's the beginning of the end from, sure. from a lot of the people that I talked to. So what, what percentage of your time, how are you putting constraints around it? Cause I think it's like, no one denies now that we need to be in the weeds in the yeah. right areas of the weeds, but there is a percentage of the time that we should be spending on that. Could you give us more on that? Yeah. I have some calendar blocks in my calendar basically where it's like, these are times I will use for this kind of welcome to pilot call, or I'll also do what I sometimes call like founder office hours where I'll meet with our customers to, to talk about pilot stuff or to talk about just like, because we're a startup like they are. So there's actually a lot that we can, we can do to be useful that is actually not necessarily the, in providing our core service. So I have some specific time blocked out on my calendar for, okay, this is for new customer calls. This is for office hours. And so I've kind of time bounded it in that way. It's, it's never more than like, you know, an hour or two a day. So I'm probably spending sub five hours a week on this. Got it. But it, it gives you that pulse that you need. And that, it's the same thing that Henry Shuck, when we interviewed him uh, from Zoom Info said, I mean, I think they got to nearly hundred million ARR and he was still doing sales calls. And he said his most valuable time spent is listening to going to course calls because they bought course as well, but still listening to what their sales team are actually saying in those really crucial moments and what are the objections that they're getting? What are the competitors that they're competing with? All that stuff. Totally. I mean, the go-to-market piece of the business, and this is actually also true for customer support, by the way, support tickets, I kind of feel the same way about. That's your periscope into the world. Like, you, you're not going to know what your customers are thinking or feeling or how they feel about your product unless you talk to them or unless you engage with them. And the touch points that they engage with you on generally are when they buy, when they renew, or when they write in with a support request of some kind. That is... So true. That's enough. I mean, our team has been good about that at Zendesk, obviously, since we are Zendesk. Yes. <laughs> but you kind of have to be. It's it's true. But when we have many different people um, still going into what we call Z2, which is our main support instance of our own product. And I have to admit, like sometimes you're like, man, I don't want to deal with this. Like this is not my OKR. This sure. is not 
it doesn't seem like the most important thing that I'm doing. Uh, but the process of understanding where they are, it's just incredible. So sure. I, I love to hear that you're spending your time there as well. Get, could you give us an example of a learning that you had around the product by being in the weeds as you're describing? Yeah, I think there are probably like some common themes mm. that you end up hearing from your sales calls or from your support tickets or whatever it is. And kind of hearing the same thing several times, and it's like a little bit anecdotal. You're like, oh, well, maybe there's something we should do about that. Maybe there's something we should improve from a talking point perspective. Maybe there's something we should improve from a documentation perspective. Or actually, maybe there's something we need to do differently from kind of a product or service perspective. And so I think it is, you as the founder sort of uniquely have the ability to steer the ship and to cause things to occur that might not otherwise occur. And it's actually probably the case that like your sales reps or your support reps or whatever have a lot of great ideas, but they, and this is not a good thing, they probably don't feel empowered to actually make these changes occur. And so you sort of have the ability to shortcut that process a little bit. So you might find, oh, huh, customers are really confused by this one thing on the website. Like, I'm just going to go change it. Or I'm just going to ask our marketing team to go change it. And you can just do it. Because again, going back to like, what are the structural advantages of startups? Well, speed is one of the few structural advantages of startups that you can move quickly. And so if you're not moving quickly, well, then you're no better than like a super big company and you don't have the resourcing of the super big company. You're just like a smaller, slower, worse version. So you kind of really have to lean into the things that are kind of structurally the advantages of well, what makes a startup successful. And I think speed, that kind of reactivity are both uh, big examples of that. Yeah, I love that. If you're not moving fast, then you're like, well, then you're basically an underfunded big company. <laughs> totally, exactly. <laughs> that's uh, that's good. How, how do you distill some of these things? Do you have um, a weekly meeting with your executive team or is it more just anecdotal? Like you're in the sales call and then you're like, hey, marketing team, Slack, like fix this. I mean, the good news is, you know, we have a whole marketing team and an EPD team. Like there are a bunch of super talented people at Pilot who are in the weeds on the stuff every day and are setting the roadmap and all that. So it's like, it's not that the only way these improvements occur is Wasim decides to go do a thing. The, the vast majority of the super important stuff, I think, is handled via the standard processes. And I think sometimes there's just like, for me, the, the thing I like to kind of focus on is either something that is a quick win, which is like, okay, cool. We can just like knock this out. We can short circuit the process and just get it done. Or something that feels so structurally significant that probably on our own, we're not going to naturally do it because it's like, it feels like too big a change. And I actually don't have a good example of the latter in the sense that I'm not sure I've encountered that yet, but that would be the other area where I think, you know, the founder really continue to have a hand in what the business is up to is really critical because no one else at the company is really going to feel like they have the agency or authority to say, Hey, you know what? We need to make this big sweeping change. Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. That's uh, very helpful. Two more questions. One around fundraising. You've obviously had a lot of success there. How did you take these stories and use them? Did they help you with fundraising at all? You know, it's, it's interesting. And we've been very, very fortunate in the sense that because this is our third company and because we had sort of a track record of success before this, the early days of fundraising for us were actually quite straightforward, where I was like, okay, look, this is a known team tackling a huge market. Like, of course, you'd like to invest. And then sort of as the business has progressed, I think the fundraising 
narrative has has still been well look the market is enormous and this is why we are the ones who are going to win and like look at our customer satisfaction look at our rate of customer growth like the i'd say the the reason that we've been able to raise money successfully is because this is a big meaty problem that everyone has and the status quo solutions are not very good and that there really is an opportunity to build an iconic enduring company here. And so I think those are the elements that sort of have made that you as an investor get excited about in thinking about the pilot journey and the pilot story. That's yeah, you, you can't get around that. And uh, the TAM here is massive. Right. It's huge. I've never talked to a founder who's like, oh, it's, we have it all figured out on right. the back office. Right. So <laughs> I think and you have to do it right. Like the, the three questions I like to ask when I'm trying to get a sense of the size of an opportunity are, is it niche or is it general purpose? Like who has this problem? Um, is it a nice to have or a need to have? And then how expensive is it? And for us, like if you, if you apply that framework to pilot, and again, pilot provides finance, accounting, and tax prep services for high growth startups today, but the aspiration of course is much larger than that. Well, who needs accounting? Well, everyone. Is it a nice to have or need to have? It's basically legally required. And is it cheap or expensive? Well, the alternative to hiring pilot is hiring your local accounting firm where you actually probably do spend thousands of dollars a month with them. So you kind of multiply those numbers and it's like, oh yeah, actually there's a lot of dollars exchanging hands here and a lot of value potentially really being created. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the like 30 seconds on the size of the opportunity. I love it. And, and so, and therefore the, the biggest challenge is going to be X, Y, or Z. That's going to differ depending on what you're tackling, but like, is, is it actually there in terms of the TAM? I think what you just said is going to be great for founders as they're putting together their, the market opportunity decks. Sure. Um, so that's, that's really helpful. The, the final question is what is your superpower as a founder? If you had to pick one. That is a good question. I think in some ways it's like, a willingness and it's more than a willingness. It's like an eagerness to just like really get in the weeds. Like, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but I really think that there's no task too small. There's nothing at pilot where I'm like, no, you know, I'm too big to do that task. Like if it needs to be done, it needs to be done. And I'm like super happy to do it. And I think that sort of laser focus on like impact willingness to just like roll up our sleeves and get it done for me, I think that has served me super well. Once again, it's like you're you're humbling yourself as a founder and you're getting right down to the most uh, frustrating parts of the business or the annoying parts of the business or potentially overlooked parts, the non-sexy parts. And totally. that's how you're succeeding. Yes. I think like if you're doing the sexy stuff, like that's probably not the best use of your time. Like you should be, unfortunately, like you should be spending all of your time on the stuff that isn't working, that is hard, that is annoying. And the stuff where like you kind of feel like you know how it needs to go, you should hire a world-class person to be driving that piece. Mm. Mic drop moment right there. We're going to end on that one. <laughs> sure, sounds good. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Of course. Glad to, glad to be on the pod. And if folks are interested in checking out Pilot, we actually have a special promo for your listeners. If they go to pilot.com slash sit down, one word, uh, we'll give them a 20% discount on their first six months of Pilot service.
That is great to hear. And uh, we can make sure to put that in the show notes as well. Uh, check that out. We could also consider putting it on our deal book uh, where we where we share with the thousands of startups that come through Sounds our program. Sounds great. So yeah, I'm, I'm saying this online, but everyone definitely check that out. Uh, there's, there's a great product opportunity here and the product, the details are being done right uh, according to what we just heard in the interview. So definitely check it out. <laughs> Perfect. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you want to learn more about Zendesk for Startups and our free offer, please check out our website at zendesk.com slash startups. 